He is risen. He is risen indeed. Today marks the most important day in our Christian calendar, Resurrection Sunday. It's the day we remember that Jesus came and broke the power of sin and death. All of God's purposes and promises were fulfilled in that one week that we call Holy Week. Easter marks the end of Holy Week, but it also marks the decisive beginning of God's new creation. Last Sunday, we celebrated Jesus' arrival into Jerusalem as God's messianic king, the one that God sent to bring redemption to the world. Although misunderstood by many, Jesus did in fact come to save us in a way that was unexpected to many. On Thursday of this past week, we remembered Jesus' preparation for Passover as he washed the disciples' feet with a meal that pointed back to Israel's redemption from Egypt. He then added that from that time on, the meal would point forward to his redemption, his death on the cross that brings forgiveness and redemption from sin. That redemption was accomplished on Friday. It was a very bad day for Jesus as he was arrested and put on trials by both the Jewish and the Roman authorities. But it was very good for us. The three hours that Jesus spent crucified on a Roman cross became the Lamb of God's sacrifice for the sins of the world. When Jesus cried out, it is finished, all of God's promises for forgiveness and restoration were accomplished. The last Adam had finally reversed all of the damage brought by the first Adam. But there was still more work to be accomplished. For three days and nights, Jesus' body lay in the tomb. Then Sunday morning, brought the unthinkable. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. With death on the daily news these days, the message of someone reversing death, even now, sounds unthinkable, doesn't it? You know, it's one thing for a person to survive the coronavirus, but if the news reported that someone who had the virus died from the virus, and then three days later was resurrected, came back to life, we would think it was some kind of a hoax or maybe a bad joke. But the Bible says that Jesus died, was buried, and came back to life by God's awesome power. He is alive today, right now. We serve a risen Savior. The new creation that came on Easter morning is the same power that Jesus gives to everyone who believes in him. Today, we want to look at someone 
very much like us, Thomas, who had his doubts about Jesus' resurrection and who was changed because he believed that Jesus is alive. He was one of Jesus' apostles who Jesus had trained to succeed him and start the church. Thomas was a realist and would have fit well into our culture today. We read the story of Jesus' resurrection in John 20. John there describes the empty tomb, Jesus' appearance to Mary Magdalene, and what happened that night. Here's what he says. Jesus appeared to his disciples on the evening of his resurrection as they were having, a, could we say, a small group meeting. It says in verse 20, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. All of his followers were there, except Thomas. We don't know why he was absent. Was he discouraged about Jesus' death? Was he disillusioned about how the story of Jesus turned out? Well, shortly after that, the other disciples told Thomas about that meeting and they're seeing Jesus face to face. That's when Thomas shared his doubts and demanded proof. Did Jesus really come back to life? Could it be true? He didn't trust the words of his friends. The next Sunday, the disciples were having their small group meeting again, and the room was locked because apparently they were afraid of the authorities who had just crucified Jesus the week before. So let's read that story now from John 20, 24 through verse 29. Find a Bible, take your Bible if you already have it, and turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 20. Verse 24 says, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So, the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. Thomas is a pattern for us in two ways. First, he had doubts about Jesus, and he was willing to verbalize them. He wanted to see Jesus' crucifixion scars from the resurrection, 
that happened a few days earlier, and he said, unless I see them and touch them, I won't believe. You know, we've been given the unusual gift of being forced to stop most of our normal life patterns, haven't we? Our freedom to travel, to shop freely, to be with our friends at school or at work are all disrupted. In addition, our economy, our sports, our schools, our family lives, and so much more has been disrupted by the one who controls all things. He's the one who wants us to rethink our securities, our fears, our whole lives. In the words of Paul, when he spoke to people who didn't know Jesus, he said, God wants people to seek him, to reach out for him and find him, since he is not far from any one of us. Has last month revealed things to you about how weak your faith really is? Are you maybe even wondering if God is not as strong as the coronavirus? And how could Jesus' resurrection make any kind of difference in our world today? Well, let's learn from Thomas that it's okay to have our doubts and even to verbalize them. But what do we do with them afterward? That makes all the difference. You see, Thomas asked his friends, and Thomas wanted to talk and be with Jesus. So the second thing we learn from this passage is that Thomas actually saw the resurrected Jesus and then believed in him. The story says Jesus came back to his disciples a week after that first visit, and did you catch this? He actually knew about Thomas's doubts. I mean, why wouldn't he if he's God Almighty? But when they saw each other, instead of blaming Thomas for doubting, Christ invited Thomas into a deeper relationship with him. And then the story says that when Thomas saw the resurrected Jesus and heard his words, that was enough for him to believe in the resurrection. Scripture doesn't say that Thomas actually touched his body, does it? Now, even though we now have social distancing from our friends and our families, we can still care for them, right, and nurture our relationships with them. Some of you are being very creative in how that works. The same is true with our resurrected Lord. Even though we can't see him face to face and touch him, I mean, I guess you'd call that the ultimate distancing, it doesn't mean that his spiritual presence is not close. You know, this amazing truth is described by Jesus in a beatitude, worded just like the ones that we've seen in the Sermon on the Mount. Look at verse 29. It starts the same way. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. It's possible to believe in Jesus without actually seeing him with our eyes, isn't it? 
Jesus himself says there's no difference between those who believed in Jesus when they were here on earth with him and those who have never actually seen Jesus but have only heard the message about him and then believed. Oh, that's wonderful news. You know, we often say, seeing is believing. But in this case, believing is seeing. That is, seeing with not our eyes, but with the eyes of our heart, spiritual sight. That's what Peter talked about in 1 Peter 1.8, where he wrote, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Now, when Peter wrote that, Peter had seen Jesus, but the people that he was writing to in the first century had never seen Jesus. It didn't matter. It doesn't matter today. That should be so comforting to us, so encouraging to us. Our relationship to Jesus is based on our faith, not our sight. And then Thomas's faith was expressed in two simple ways. How simple? He simply said, my Lord and my God. He recognized Jesus for who he really is. Lord, the only one in the universe with supreme authority over everything and everyone. And God. Ah, he had great theology, but it was more than what we might say head knowledge. He personalized it because he said, my my Lord and my God. You see, his faith is what drew him to Jesus. And in drawing him to the real resurrected Jesus, he recognized his smallness and Jesus' greatness, his lordship, his deity, which meant that he could rest in his wonderful arms of protection, of forgiveness, and ultimate love now and forever. You know, it so changed Thomas' life that early church history tells us that it was Thomas who went to the country of India and began planting churches there for the very first time. And that's apparently where he died. If you have never believed in Jesus, do it now. When you see Jesus with spiritual eyes for who he really is, your Lord and your God, everything changes. Today, we should say again and again to him, my Lord and my God, like Thomas did. When we see Jesus that way, everything else changes. We can ask, my Lord and my God, help me with my fears. Help me with my income. My Lord, you are in charge of everything. Please help. 
My Lord, I want to believe. Increase my faith, and he will. Please let us know today if you have believed in Jesus for the very first time, or perhaps you want to talk to us and email us and in some way verbalize maybe some of your doubts like Thomas did. We've set up a new email for you to simply write us at prayer at chelton.org. Prayer, the word, at chelton.org. The pastors will receive this email and respond to you in confidentiality. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Our Father, how grateful we are that you fulfilled your words spoken thousands of years before and fulfilled 2,000 years ago. How grateful we are to know that Jesus is alive today. And we pray that today each one of us may have a deeper trust, a more enriched love as we walk hand in hand with the one whom, having not seen, we love with joy unspeakable and full of glory. In his name we pray, amen.